Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. It's a great time to live in Mississippi, and we're talking about it. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show and uh, and the expanded day here on Thursday for the listeners up in the Mississippi Delta and the Jackson Market. And, of course, to all of my friends in coastal Mississippi, I want to welcome you to this show where we celebrate the men and women who are working so hard to make Mississippi such a better place to live, work, and play. You know, from time to time, uh, I get involved in important issues. And for my friends in the Delta and for my friends in Jackson, um, what you don't have the benefit, and at least most of you don't have the benefit of knowing that over the course of the last um, several months, there have been some really tragic suicides in Jackson County, young people. And uh, my friend Paige Roberts and I, uh, who is the uh, executive director for the Jackson County Chamber and are just a phenomenal community leader, and I've had a number of conversations about about that. And there's been a community effort that's been underway. And today I'm going to spend more time talking about that. Paige will be joining me in just a second and a very, very special guest. I want to start with a couple of quotes that I think apply well to today. And they may be actually central to the message that we'll try to get across today, especially one of my guests. And here's one of them. Vulnerability is a strength, not a weakness. And that is from Emma Benoit, who is uh, someone who you'll get to know more here in just a second. The other quote is, uh, is this. Vulnerability is the birthplace of love, belonging, joy, courage, empathy, and creativity. It is a source of hope, empathy, accountability, and authenticity. If we want greater clarity in our purpose or deeper and more meaningful spiritual lives, vulnerability is the path. And that's Brene Brown who said that. And I can't tell you how important both of those statements are. You know, we live in a society today where, especially with social media, me being a former media executive who had digital media responsibilities, I was always concerned about what social media was doing, especially in our young people. But it's not limited to our young people. And and sort of driving home the point that everyone must be perfect. That's one of the sad realities of social media these days. It takes what could otherwise be an already challenging situation, and it makes it worse. And when you read about what science is saying about that, it's, it's extremely troubling, to be honest with you. We don't, as a result of that, get a full appreciation for the gift of vulnerability. We don't fully appreciate how important vulnerability really is. Um, as a young guy, I was a paramedic. I went to the University of Alabama in Birmingham. I was in pre-med for a period of time. I was going to be an emergency room physician. And uh, along the way, I saw a little bit too much death and dying and decided to change my major and uh, went on to get an MBA, and the rest is kind of history. But at a very young age, I had to deal with uh, too much suicide. And it caused me to think a lot about it. it. It caused me to read a lot about it, because I personally had to sort of come to grips with what would cause a person 
to do that? What would cause a person to feel so much despair or maybe the, the, the feeling of, of releasing what they perceive to be a burden on others? What is it causes them to, to do that? What is it that causes them to release the pain while not fully appreciating the pain and the burden they leave behind. Because if they really appreciated that or understood that, it might actually help them have second thoughts about what they're doing. More recently, I had a friend, uh, a seri- I have, a, I have a, a very large, what I would call uh, my Delta family. They're not literally my Delta, uh, they're not literally my family, but they are very close to me, and uh, someone within that group committed suicide. And I had I was up there two weeks ago, then again this past weekend, and I was reminded of the burden that act created for everyone who was left behind, the family, the friends, and it's, it's devastating. It's just devastating. And um, I knew that we had this 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 special show coming up. But it hits for me at an important time, and I think for the people who were left behind, my friends in the Delta, and uh, for the families that have been left behind in Jackson County and really all over Mississippi, where unfortunately suicide <laughs> is too often seen as a way out, and um, it's it's very sad. Paige actually ended up reaching out to a, a group of people in Jackson County, and they have done tremendous collaboration. And uh, we've had conversations about it on my show before. It was expanded into the Delta and Jackson markets. And through that effort, they actually uh, met Emma Benoit, which we'll which we're about to introduce now. So without any further, um, you know, sort of setup, I want to invite my friend Paige Roberts, who, as I said, is the executive director for the Jackson County Chamber, and my new friend, um, Emma, to the conversation. And first of all, just say good morning. Good morning, Ricky. Good morning. Good morning, Emma. Emma, I mentioned to you before I started the show that I saw lots of descriptions about you and your situation. But I was trying to figure out how to how to get to the nut of what you're bringing to the table, and we're gonna we're gonna get into deeply your story here in a minute. But I read uh, what a woman by the name of Paree Jones Grossman wrote in Medium.com about you, and here's what she said. Emma Benoit became extremely passionate about suicide prevention after surviving a suicide attempt in 2017, the summer before her senior year in high school. Her attempt resulted in a spinal cord injury that left her paralyzed, but helped her find faith and purpose, and it propelled her on a mission to use her painful experience and miraculous recovery to help others. And again, we're going to get into your story here in just a second, but... God bless you, Emma. I really appreciate you joining me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I always am so grateful for opportunities like this to really amplify my story and my voice to try and prevent other young people and just people in general from um, falling victim to the thoughts of suicide. Yeah, well, thank thank you so much. And and Paige, I want to thank you for, for your leadership in Jackson County particularly, but really your leadership in Mississippi as you guys work to try to bring focus to what are the ways and messages that we can get out there that can that, that the people who need to hear them can hear so that um, we can save people because at the end of the day, that's what we're trying to do, isn't it? Oh, yes. Um, I, ev- everyone 
is experiencing um, feelings of unworthiness at some point, I believe. And um, it's how much does that really false narrative start to control their other thoughts and behaviors? And what can we do individually and collectively to help people enjoy life, respect life in such a way that life continues for them. And that's that's why Emma's message that's so genuine and so heartfelt um, and so easy to relate to is is just uh, critically important. Yeah, I mean, if people would only hear this one thing that that, that Emma will urge us to con- contemplate, and that is, it is okay to be vulnerable. It is okay to be vulnerable. That's so important, isn't it, Paige? Oh, absolutely. And um, as some people are aware, I've been on a panel with Emma this past summer through Singing River Health Systems um, work in this area. And one of the things she said to said in her talk that has stuck with me very deeply and what I consider to be the enemy of vulnerability, and that is toxic positivity. Emma, you want to explain what that is? Oh, absolutely. So toxic positivity really is just invalidation of a way a person is actually feeling. And so unfortunately, a lot of times with humans, we want to help. We don't want to see another loved one or a peer hurting, right? So we we jumped we jump to trying to make them feel better in an instant. And what that is, is just invalidation of the way they're actually feeling. And so some comments of toxic positivity could be things like, oh, don't be sad, you'll be over that tomorrow. Or other people have it worse than you, look on the bright side. And so what that is in essence is invalidation of the root cause of that feeling for that individual. And it really hinders the person struggling with whatever it is they're struggling with feeling comfortable being vulnerable and expressing the root of that feeling and therefore working through it. Wow, so beautifully said. Um, I said before the show started, I told Emma, I had watched some videos. I've read a lot about her. I I wanted to bring as much as I could to the table to, to bring clarity throughout this conversation about her message. But she is such an incredible communicator. Her ability... Even even after a you know time has passed, her ability to still empathize, her ability to bring an important and fresh message because to the person you're talking to, it's the message that they're in at in this moment that causes them to want to hear it. Anyway, when we come back on the other side, we're going to hear more about Emma's story, and uh, we'll talk to we'll hear from Paige about what were the couple of incidences that happened in Jackson County that really got our attention, and uh, then we'll go from there. We'll see you after this break.
passion and love for Mississippi is why he's here. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. I have my friend Paige Roberts, who's been on this show many, many times as we've talked about a wide range of community issues. And my new friend, someone who I have tremendous respect for and look forward to staying in touch with, uh, Emma Benoit. Um, hey, real quick before we get to Emma's story, Paige, why don't we do this? Um, remind people for the expanded markets, the, the incidences that happened in Jackson County that really prompted everyone to get together and say, we've got to do more. Sure. Well, we we at the Jackson County Chamber of Commerce have had mental health on our radar as a public policy issue that is affecting our businesses um, as as our citizens, our, our workers. But it was really when a young man, uh, an eighth grader, Sawyer, up at East Central Middle School, um, hung himself um, after telling his father that he'd had the best day ever and went upstairs and hung himself a year ago this past April, that a lot of people sort of sat up and said, "Oh, oh, this is so bad. But then other parents were saying, yeah, and my child as young as eight years old is uh, talking about harming herself. Um, So then you fast forward to March of this year and we have another East Central uh, young person, Kaylee, who uh, was an 11th grader again, had had a seemingly fine day that day and went home and shot herself. And then just um, last month, September 1st, we had uh, another hanging of an eighth grade young lady. And these are just the ones that we know about and where the parents have uh, been vulnerable in, in letting it be known that this is what happened. And on the one hand, it's devastating. But on the other hand, I am... Um, I, I feel good about the fact that our community is embracing this truth it, because it is a truth that our young people are not resilient. They're not dealing well with bad feelings. They're not feeling um, they're not able to cope through feeling badly or um standing up for their own self-worth. And quite frankly, their parents are not well-equipped usually to help with that either, any of us. And as you and I have talked, Ricky, um, very candidly, I have struggled with this since I was 14. And, And that's why I consider Emma like my soul sister and I'm just so happy for her that she's so young and figured out things that I am struggling with at 53 and I know I'm not alone so that's why this has become so very important to the chamber and all of our partners such as Singing River Health System. 
what you've uh, what you've what you've really driven into my head, Paige, which is one of the things that really ultimately led to us having this conversation today, is that we have to be we committed to raising awareness. We have to teach coping skills not just to students but to their parents, because as as with Emma's story, you know this this notion of rebellion uh, and depression can be confused, and people you know don't quite understand that. And as you pointed out to me before we even started the show that young people need to address pain at a young age because if you don't you bring that into adulthood and there's so much wrapped up in Emma's story and Emma let's turn to you now and um, you know it's it's hard to think about someone young you were having thoughts of of depression. You were having thoughts of suicide at a very young age before you actually attempted suicide. Tell us your story. Oh man. So where do I begin? Well, as you said, I had begun struggling with thoughts of suicide at a very young age. Actually, when I got to middle school, my struggles really started to amplify. I really started to struggle with anxiety in elementary school though. And I think it's critical, like you guys were talking about, to really educate our youth as early as elementary school on these signs and symptoms. So that way when they do arise for them, they know how to address them and they know how to cope with them. And really in a nutshell, my experience is very similar to that of most teens. I was just a kid that wanted so bad the approval of her parents, who wanted so bad the approval of her coaches and teachers. I was struggling with perfectionism to the highest degree, and perfectionism ultimately led me to becoming a people pleaser, which is so utterly toxic for us humans to really only care about the approval of others instead of seeking it within ourselves. And all of those struggles kind of culminated and turned into a lack of self-worth. And without self-worth, you really feel feel so alone and all of those struggles piled on top of each other and ultimately did culminate and turn into suicidal thoughts and thinking and I dealt with those thoughts for for many years before I acted on them and that feeling of being a burden only grew bigger and bigger as my struggles progressed. And the issue is that I never learned how to handle any of those things. Like Paige said, I never learned how to handle stress. I didn't know what to do with frustration. I didn't know how to cope when I got rejected. I didn't know what to do with all of these very real emotional experiences that human beings will naturally experience, I didn't have the tools or the skills to be able to cope or process any of those things. And like was mentioned, my parents, unfortunately, weren't given the tools when they were growing up. They were taught just sweep it under the rug. And so naturally, that's kind of what they taught me to do because they didn't know. They didn't have the the rule book as no parent does. And so ultimately I didn't feel like I could go to them. I felt like I would just burden them more and that they didn't have the answers to help me help myself. So ultimately, like I said, it all culminated and did lead me to attempting suicide. So Emma, you knew, um, you, let's do this before I, before I ask that question, describe what people would have seen in that 16-year-old in that moment, what you were involved in, and what you appeared on the outside to be? Well, on the outside, I would think that I had a pretty perfect life. I mean, seemingly everything was fine. But what what the issue is, is that 
you know, the things I was struggling with had nothing to do with the circumstances or the outside circumstances of my life. You know, I could be that popular varsity cheerleader who made okay grades and still be struggling with depression and having a hard home life. You know, I think a lot of the root of depression for youth today stems from and I hate to say it, but the home life, you know, how are we connecting with our parents? Do we feel seen, heard, and validated by our parents? And ultimately, all of the struggles that I was dealing with from low self-image, low self-worth, feeling like I have to be perfect all the time, that perfectionism, right, that people-pleasing, all of that was existing in my story, but because that exterior image was there, I felt the need to uphold that. I never wanted anyone to see me as weak. And prior to my attempt, I truly felt like struggling was a weakness. And I never wanted anyone to think I was weak. Emma, did social media play into your uh, your situation? Absolutely. Social media was somewhere unknowingly that I went to sort of compare myself to others. And I think that social media is truly a toxin for our youth today. The problem with social media is that our youth are seeing these filtered, edited lives that people are sharing, and it's just a moment of their day. And that is the big issue from my perspective with social media and our youth being on social media is that they are completely, their reality is essentially distorted. They are growing up in a generation where they're seeing people make millions of dollars on YouTube and they think, oh, I can go do that. I should go do that. And if they don't achieve certain things, then they start to beat themselves up and start to take it out on themselves when in reality, that person's life isn't all that it's cracked out to be. And you really can't see a person's life through a screen. So I think that is one of the biggest problems that really affected me that I'm still seeing is an issue today. And also the fact that, you know, our youth and even myself feel the need to create this reality to share. So instead of I did this really cool thing that I want to share with my friends and family. It's now, what can I do that is post-worthy today? And that is the biggest issue that I'm seeing today. It is. It is unfortunate. And, and the reality is, uh, we, we may not have known what we know now back in 2017, but what we but we know now. And the science and the studies have been phenomenal that uh, that social media has had a tremendous impact, especially with young girls. I mean, it's 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 broader than that, but especially with young girls. And they always are quick to point that out, this notion of projecting per- perfection and creating this need to kind of size yourself up and what that does, what that does. One thing about your story that's compelling is that you immediately realize you had made a mistake. And uh, the, the path from there to where we are today is very inspiring. So we're going to talk a little bit about that when we come back with Emma Benoit. But then why, excuse me, I said it again. And uh, my friend Paige Roberts, we'll see you after this break.
why we all love living in Mississippi. It's the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. I have Paige Roberts, who's the executive director of the Jackson County Chamber and just a really phenomenal community leader, really focused on the subject that we're talking about today. And then Emma Benoit, who is uh, my new friend, someone I have tremendous respect for, and uh, will do anything I can to help her get her voice out, because what she has to say is really important. After Paige had the opportunity to, to hear from Emma, before I had the opportunity to hear from Emma, Paige said that one of the most important learnings was that Emma was not wanting to kill herself. She was wanting to relieve her pain. You know, she, she felt she was a burden on other people, but she didn't quite fully appreciate that when, if she were to have been successful, she would have just been transferring that burden to them. She would have just been transferring that pain to them. And the fact that she lived through her suicide attempt, albeit she had tremendous medical challenges following, she's allowed today to be able to share her passion for what she learned going through on that journey. And that's just a really powerful, it's a powerful thing. I was touched significantly by the fact that the moment you did it, you realize you had made a mistake. So take us from that point forward. Oh my gosh, having an attempt and then in the instant after it happened, feeling that feeling of regret, it really it really stuck with me. And I believe that that instant regret that I experienced was truly a catalyst that set my emotional recovery into action. You know, because while I had moments where I felt sad and sorry for myself and the situation and truly sorry for any sphere that I brought up and the people that I love, I had more moments where I felt hopeful and optimistic because I knew in that moment there was just nothing worth taking my life. And I think that's a big issue, especially with people who are discussing the topic of suicide, is people have the assumption that when a person makes the attempt, that's it. They want to die and they're done. But that's not at all the reality for someone suffering. My reality was those thoughts were becoming louder and more intrusive, and they were hard to shut down and hard to shut away. Because when you struggle for so long, consistently, not constantly, but consistently, those thoughts become louder and louder and ultimately harder to fight away. And so that was my story. And unfortunately, I did make the attempt, but fortunately, I survived to be able to recognize that that's not what my goal was. And ultimately, I just wanted that pain to go away. Well, Emma, what was what's interesting about your story is people have heard about suicide attempts where people were not not really wanting to kill themselves, but they were wanting to somehow get attention so that they could get help, you know, that kind of thing. In your case, you were serious about it. And you, and you and how often have you gone back and contemplated? I'm sure you did many, many times to say, wow, I mean, the it's really a miracle you lived. Absolutely. And, you know, when I reflect back on my story, I really, there's so many factors that pop up. And one of the biggest factors for me was how how intense and how intrusive those thoughts were. I mean, they led me to make a decision based on what at the time was temporary issues that could have been resolved with talk therapy and maybe even medication that I was making a permanent decision based around. And I feel that that is the biggest message for someone actively suffering with these thoughts is it is a temporary solution. It is a permanent solution to a temporary issue. 
Yeah. When you were on Dr. Phil, I think one of the most profound questions that he asked you, you've probably been asked this before, but this is what I observed in watching that segment. He asked you, you know, looking back, what would you say to 16-year-old Emma? Why don't you share what, you, what your answer was? I don't really remember what my answer was, if I'm being honest with you. Yeah. But I, what I would say to 16-year-old Emma is it's okay not to be okay. It's okay yeah. to reach out for help. You have support. You are loved. Don't believe every thought that your brain presents to you. Your brain can lie to you. Um, all of these things. And I think something that I said on Dr. Phil was kind of in the lines of those those responses. It but. was exactly. It was exactly. It, w- it was exactly. So at what point did you realize that this situation, this incredible experience was going to was going to be beyond you, that it was going to begin to take on a whole new opportunity for you to be able to share and touch others with your story? Where, where did that happen? Uh, so honestly, I decided to start sharing my story kind of very quickly after my attempt. I knew that there were many other of my peers that were suffering with similar experiences. Um, I had several of my friends and even peers from school approach me when I was in the hospital recovering to talk to me about their experiences and just relate to me. And that was really eye-opening to have so many of my peers and people my age coming to me feeling like they can now share their experiences because what I had gone through. And having that experience, like I said, was just truly eye-opening. And it, it essentially gave me the courage to continue to share my story and try and use what I had gone through to make a difference. I was approached by a filmmaker as well to create a documentary film, which that in a nutshell has been truly transformative and very therapeutic in a lot of ways. Yeah, I would uh, really encourage people who are listening to this who want to learn more about Emma's story. Uh, Benoit, B-E-N-O-I-T. Emma Benoit, go do a search on the internet and just hit at the top, hit videos and tremendous amount of content will come forward where you can hear a story and learn more about it and share her story and talk about the role that, that being vulnerable plays in creating strength, not weakness. That was just one of the, one of the interesting things about your story, Emma, is that, um, you know, again, we, your parents really weren't sure how to recognize this. They didn't know how to deal with it. Um, the kind of conversations I'm sure that have happened since then, they have as much to share about the role a parent can play as you have as a, as a young person who was going through it. Absolutely. This has been, like I said, one of the most transformative journeys for not only me, but for my family as well. You know, I came from a very tight-knit, close family of four. I have one older brother and two parents that are happily married. And this really shook my entire family to the core. But I think what it really did to benefit us all was teach us how to communicate, teach us how to connect better, teach us better ways to cope with our feelings. And it ultimately just taught us all how to prioritize mental health as a whole. So, so uh, physically, how are you doing? You've posted videos of your physical therapy. I see that you've made progress. What's, what's the latest on your situation? 
So I have been able to recover, not 100%, but I believe it's almost fully. I have regained full feeling and movement back through my body. So currently I am able to walk around using assistance. I have a walker that helps me get around my apartment. I am 100% independent, meaning I can live alone. I can do everything I used to do. It just looks a little bit different. Um, it takes me a little bit longer, but I can still achieve those things. My biggest accomplishment has been being able to learn to drive again. I have no adaptations to my vehicle whatsoever. I don't have hand controls. I can drive my car the same as I did before. Um, and then I really just struggle with the paralysis of my left hand. Um, but other than that, I have full function and strength in my right hand and I was always right hand dominant. So I'm all good. Wow. That's so beautiful to hear. That's so, but you, you had, it was, it was a fight. You had to really work hard to get to this point, didn't you? Absolutely. That work in therapy was truly some of the hardest physical work that I've ever had to do. Um, when you lose connection from your brain to your body, it is very scary. But fortunately, through hard work in speech, physical and occupational therapy, I was able to really refire those connections and can now live independently. So it's been great. That that's a that's so that's so wonderful to hear that that is for sure. Um, the 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 only other thing I would bring up <clears throat> before we go back to Paige is that in the process of sort of looking at yourself and then and fighting through your physical limitations to get to where you are today, you had to decide to be ultimately vulnerable. So I mean, being vulnerable within your family and your friends is one thing, but you had to ultimately decide to be very vulnerable to, to show your journey. Um, was that difficult or did that, or was that just, did you, you just found peace in sharing your story? I would say a little bit of both. It was, it was quite interesting in my mind and how it was being processed, you know, because at first I felt like the victim, but also the perpetrator. And then when it came to sharing what I had gone through, it was really challenging to make that decision to go forward and share my experience. But I'm so glad that I did. And honestly, it was the support that I had from not only my family and friends, but my whole community. They were all rallying around me encouraging me to use this experience and try to make something positive from it. And I'm so grateful that I was able to take something that was so painful and turn it into some sort of purpose for others. I can only imagine, Emma, when you're speaking to groups or even after the event, as you became more clear about who you were and where you were going with your life and what the, the, the points that you wanted to make and how you wanted to touch others, that you, it, just, it may have been just the friends around you sharing that they were going through this. But from, from that point all the way through giving a speech or a video and hearing from someone who you touched, I bet every time you're touched by somebody, it, it blows your mind how much difference you can make. Every single time. And I always say if I can just touch one, then it's, then it's all worth it to me. And boy, I've been able to touch many more than one. And it is truly so healing and therapeutic for me. It's fulfilling. God bless you, Emma, for being willing to tell your story. Hey, when we come back, we'll bring Paige back into the conversation. We'll talk about what's going to happen on October the 27th. We'll see you after this.
back to more of the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. The Ricky Matthews Show is about is about celebrating the people who are working in the trenches to make our communities better. It it, it doesn't mean that it's always going to be a pleasant conversation because some of the some of the holes that have to be filled in the community where volunteers are necessary and people who have gone through difficult times can inspire others by telling their their story. So sometimes those are hard conversations to have. They're 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 but they're important conversations to have. And uh, so you know this is really celebrating as well as celebrating Paige and the people around her in the community that are saying we want to save lives is celebrating Emma Benoit and her story and saying you know Emma I want to do everything I can to help amplify your story if we can if we can touch one person as a result of the show today we've made it we will have made a difference but Paige's goal is to touch a lot more than just one person Paige let's come back to what we were talking about from the very beginning what brought you and Emma together and you're actually headed toward Emma visiting the community on October the 27th. Yes. So as I mentioned, the chamber is in partnership with Singing River Health System, who brought Emma this past summer. And we were all so touched by her powerful message and her unique ability to really touch people in their heart and spirit uh, and and make a difference, as you've said, that we've arranged, uh, along with the Pascagoula Goche School District, for Emma to come on October 27th. And at nine that morning, she's going to speak to um, a, a couple hundred health science students from across the coast, but also to a couple hundred of what our community stakeholders all across the coast, because we believe that Emma's story needs to be heard by everyone, every, everyone of any age, and especially our young people in the schools. And that, of course, starts with our superintendents. And so the superintendents from all across the coast have been invited. The four from Jackson County are definitely coming um, because she has uh, this uh, video, sort of a, a movie that she shows when she does students called My Ascension, as she is from Ascension Parish, Louisiana, um, and also has ascended to this place where she is that's benefiting all of us. So we are bringing in um, church leaders, nonprofit leaders, government, uh, private sector, business and industry, anyone who might be a partner in bring a, bringing Emma into the schools. And Emma also advocates for a group called Hope Squad, Ricky, that's based out of Utah, but it's a peer-to-peer method of helping students in the schools. And we are very interested in what Hope Squad might look like in our schools. So on November 7th at the Chamber Education Committee meeting, Hope Squad team is coming to talk to our superintendents and community leaders about what it looks like when Hope Squad is in a local school and what it takes. Um, Because, of course, there is a a financial um, connection to all of this. And and I think collectively, communally, we can make a difference. And that is why, Emma, you've said off air and we'll say on air, 
such a godsend because mental health and suicide is so complex and so hard to unpack. And everyone just often goes to bullying. Oh, it had to have been bullying. And it's so often not bullying, but just the the darkness and the false narratives within ourselves that our environments are feeding. And and as Emma said, com- comparison steals our joy. So we're we're looking to make sure that people have joy and hope, even while not invalidating their their bad moments, and and helping our kids live and our families have better, more um, deep. Uh, relationships with each other. And that's what we're working toward on October 27th. And then with the Hope Squad on November 7th. Well, I love it. You know, when you and I had a show after the initial suicide and then we exchanged notes, I remember you saying this can't be a flash in the pan. This got, We have to stay focused on sort of long-term solutions. Emma, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you joining us today. As we chatted with you off the air, uh, it will be very interesting to watch what you do with your life. You have so much hope and so much ability uh, to touch people. It will be fascinating to watch your journey. Um, I'll give you the opportunity to have sort of a, a final word as you talk to parents and who knows who might be listening to this conversation. Um, what, what's your what's your sort of sum it all up message to people? Well, I think ultimately we need to focus more on prevention than um, postvention. I think it's so important to amplify the efforts of raising awareness in your community, in your school. If you're a parent, I advocate for you to go to the schools and encourage you to talk to the people who are decision makers, advocate for programs like Hope Squads and schools, and ultimately just really talk about mental health in your own life and foster an environment in your life where you are accepting and you are validating those other the others other people's experiences of reality as well Um, and at the end of the day no one is ever alone we are all here to do life together and you are not a burden you are loved and you are valued and worthy so if you are dealing with those thoughts of suicide fighting those lies that you're telling yourself reach out for help i urge you to reach out for help because you're not ever alone This has been Emma Benoit and Paige Roberts. Have a great day, and we'll see you tomorrow. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.